Hello everyone, my name is Steph, I'm one of the pastors here and um, we're taking a break in our um, series on uh, the parables in Luke today but we're still going to be looking at a passage of a book in the Bible written by, Luke, written by the same author Luke, who knows what that book is? Right, so the book called Acts uh, really probably should be called Luke 2. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's, it's the sequel, it is essentially the sequel of what he wrote. Um, the Gospel of Luke is his account um, of, of Jesus' life. The book of Acts is his account of, of life in the early church. And we're going to be uh, looking at that today. Because it's our special offering, we thought it, it makes sense on a day like this um, to talk essentially what are we about um, and just help us freshly, those of us who are familiar with what we're about, help us to freshly look at that again. And then maybe there will be all sorts of people in this room. There will be some of you in this room and you may be used to church but not like this. This may have so far been quite a surprising experience for you. Um, and so it's a chance for you to kind of hear what's really in our heart and what, what, what really gets us gripped with, with, with passion and zeal um, and, and makes us, I guess, do things the way we do things. It may be that you're here and that you're not a believer, but you're, you're, you're someone who's come along to find out more about Jesus. And as we, as we immerse ourselves in a passage of the Bible, which, which looks at the early life of the church, hopefully through that it will begin to grip your heart with what happens to people when, when they give their life to Jesus. When Jesus breaks into their life, what happens? So um, I hope that, hope that is clear that everyone in the room will have something to gain from, uh, today's, from today's message. Um, and we're going to trust that God will speak to us through his word. Amen? So before we read, I want to give you the context because we're going to pick it up in the middle of something. And then we're going to leave it in the middle of something, okay? So it's not, the most, um, it's not the most neat and tidy passage, but I felt for our purposes today, this is the best passage for us to look at. So here's the context. There's someone who the book of Acts from around about chapter 9 onwards focuses on, whose name was Saul of Tarsus, and changed his name to Paul when he became a believer, when he became a disciple of Jesus. He changed his name to Paul. He's known now as the Apostle Paul, and he wrote a, a, a lot of the rest of the New Testament, the letters that we have, Corinthians, Romans, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians and others were written by him. At this stage in his life, he has, he has been on three what we call missionary journeys, three journeys around the Mediterranean, preaching the gospel, healing the sick, performing signs and wonders, uh, making disciples and seeing churches established. So he, he goes on three main journeys and then the Holy Spirit leads him towards the end to head back to Jerusalem. He's got a financial gift for the church in Jerusalem that are struggling in poverty. Um, but not only that, he knows there's more to it than that. There's spiritual purpose in him going back. God is going to uh, use him in Jerusalem, but it's not going to be easy. So we're going to pick it up in chapter 20 of Acts, um, where he is just he's, he's, he's heading back to Jerusalem, across the Mediterranean, and he's stopped off at a place called Miletus, and he's called to a nearby city called Ephesus, and he's called the elders, the pastors of that church, to come, and he's spoken to them, and he's charged them with faithfulness going forward, and he said to them, you're never going to see my face again. So let's pick up uh, the text, Acts chapter 20, and we're going to read from verse 36. 
And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. And when he had parted from them and set sail, and when, sorry, and, th- and when we had parted from them and set sail, it's we because Luke is traveling with Paul and others. We came by a straight course to Cos, and the next day to Rhodes, and from there to Patara. And having found a ship crossing to Phoenicia, we went aboard and set sail. And when we had come in sight of Cyprus, leaving it on the left, we sailed to Syria and landed at Tyre. For there the ship was to unload its cargo. And having sought out the disciples, we stayed there for seven days. And through the Spirit, they were telling Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When our days there were ended, we departed and went on our journey And they all, with their wives and children, accompanied us until we were outside the city. And kneeling down on the beach, we prayed and said farewell to one another. Then we went on board the ship and they returned home. When we had finished the voyage from Tyre, we arrived at Ptolemy and we greeted the brothers and stayed with them for one day. On the next day, we departed and came to Caesarea and we entered the house of Philip the evangelist, who was one of the seven And stayed with him. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied or who were prophetesses. While we were staying for many days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea and coming to us, he took Paul's belt and bound his own feet and hands with Paul's belt and said, Thus says the Holy Spirit, This is how the Jews at Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. When we heard this, We and the people there urged him not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, What are you doing weeping and breaking my heart? For I'm ready not only to be imprisoned, but even to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And since he would not be persuaded, we ceased and said, Let the will of the Lord be done. After these days, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. And some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us, bringing us to the house of Nason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we should lodge. And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brothers received us gladly. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this living story, this incredible account of what life was like in the early church. And it, it grips our heart. And we pray, Lord, just through this message and just in an ongoing way, Spirit of God, keep breathing on us. Keep, keep, keep your, your energy and your life at the center of who we are. Keep us from becoming staid, institutionalized, simply well-organized. We pray for the life of God to be at work in us. We pray, Lord, that our hearts would be on fire more and more. For your glory, Lord. Amen. Amen. So all all I really want to do is just just pull out some some of the texture of this story, really. It's not so much doctrinal points, I guess the points I'm making are, but in in here it's a narrative. It's just the feel. It's, wow, it's the air that they were breathing. And it's, we want to breathe the same air, don't we? One of the things that's so dear to us is we know we're 2,000 years away and we know we're about 2,000 miles away, but we are looking to do our best to uh, build upon the pattern that we find in the book and pursue New Testament church life. 
And we don't, we don't get it perfect and, and, and we make mistakes, but that is the desire of our heart here. And I want to just pull out some of the things that we, that, that we see in this, in this passage. The first point is we see friends and family. There's nothing stiff about the relationships between these people. There's nothing simply formal. There's nothing hierarchical about it. There's lots of words. Have you noticed words like weeping appeared twice um, in, in, this, in this little short passage? Kissing, embracing, and then in, in conversation, words, sorry, like urging. And then, and, then we, and then we see that they're staying in one another's homes. And the whole thing just feels like family. It's not, it's not number one distant. It's not that, this, that somehow they kind of, um, they, uh, they, they orbit around each other distantly. It's actually uncomfortably close. <laughs> when they hear that they're not going to see Paul's face again, they're crying. They're weeping. When, 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 when this prophecy comes about what's going to happen to him in Jerusalem, they, they all start, you can imagine this room rises up. Paul, don't, why would you go there? Don't do it. And Paul says, stop weeping and breaking my heart. I mean, it's just, these people know one another. These people love one another. These people are in one another's lives. These people, um, these people are of one heart and on, and on one purpose together to see Jesus glorified and what are we about here? Well, we want the same. We want the same. Now, I don't know. I don't know how you do that. The bigger a church gets, how do you keep doing that? I'm no expert. I remember chatting to someone at the church holiday. I mean, that wonderful moment, that evening. Remember the evening of church? Who's at church holiday? Most of us? Remember that, that wonderful evening? We had, we had the soul, soul tunes flying through the air. We had people in the pool with their clothes on. That one GC decided to go into and pull their clothes on. I don't know what that was about, but that looked like fun. People were dancing, singing, writing in cards of encouragement. And someone said to me, he said, he said, as you grow, how do you keep this? I said, I don't know. I've got no idea. How? I haven't got any answers, but I know what we're aiming for. And if we keep aiming for the right thing, we're going to do better than if we don't. <laughs> the goal is not numerical growth. That is not the goal. You want to see more people saved, added the kingdom, multiply. Of course, that God's plan is that there's an innumerable people from every tribe and tongue around his throne at the end. So growth is a good thing, but it's not just about numbers. There's something much deeper than that going on. We're looking for hearts to be joined and lives joined together because the Bible says we are living stones. That As we are joined together with the cement of love, we become God's house, a dwelling place for God. So it's vitally important that we are up close with one another. And that we learn how to do relationships well. And you know, doing relationships well is a, is, is a lifelong journey. <laughs> Learning to speak the truth in love is a lifelong journey. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another and all of this. But this is the flavour and the atmosphere of the New Testament. And we want it, don't we? And, and, so, and so when we give, when we give offerings, what, what we're doing, it's not like you want to pay, well, let's, let's do an offering, then we can pay each other to love each other. We're not doing that. That's not what the offering is for. The offering is to resource all that we do 
but with a view to where's it going. It's not just going to projects and activities. It is investing in the body of Christ. The body of Christ is a worthwhile investment. A healthy church full of people who love one another and who stir one another up to good works and who stir one another up to a worshipful life is a worthwhile investment. This room costs a lot of money. It's a worthwhile investment. It's a worthwhile investment to be able to gather somewhere like this once a week all together and to lift our eyes to Christ together, to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus, to break bread together, to hear the word of God, to be, to be renewed and refreshed in where God's taken us. It's a worthwhile investment. So we give to it because whenever we get together, God knits our hearts closer and closer together. Amen? So friends and family. And also notice that the, the all age element. Here where it says that when they were go, uh, on their way off and the disciples came and their wives and their children, it can come across to our ears a little bit unhelpful. It can come across a little bit like the wives and the children were add-ons. Because we would never use those sorts of words. You know, we would say with the disciples, we would, we would imagine you know, the men and the women. So, but it's actually a positive thing. Here's why. Back then, this was a man's world. That's how it was. That's just how it was. It, 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 it was not a world whereby women had many rights at all. And so when, you, when, you, when it makes mention here of the wives and the children coming along, in this context, it's a really positive statement. Does that make sense? You've got to understand the context. You've got to go back to this world and realize that, you know, well, it, was really, it was really a lot of the time the men that got to do the stuff. That was how society was arranged. And so when you see Paul the Apostles and the disciples heading off to the boat and the wives and children coming, that's radical. That's like, wow, look, God is building an all-age thing here. God is building something for male and female, for old and young. This is that picture, that image of God pouring out his spirit on a people where where, we're radical, wonderful, complementary. Equality is, is, is worked out in the power of the Holy Spirit. So it's a positive thing. And so we want to really make it clear that we are investing in all age church. That's one of the, if you, if you, if you, at the moment, if you do not have children or small children, you probably won't be able to experience the relief those that Rev are, are currently experiencing in the new kids' rooms. Um, the other rooms, we, we I always feel bad when I say we made work as if I put a lot of effort into it. I, I, was, I was there in heart, but practically I didn't do a lot to make it work. But there was a lot to make it work. They were smelly, stuffy, and they weren't big enough. Um, if you get a chance, I don't know what the rules are in terms of protection and stuff, but go and have a look at some point. <laughs> Not during the classes, but at the end. See, that, see this, is, this is worth investing in, is what I'm saying. We're, we're teaching these children about Jesus. So they go out of this service, and they have 15 minutes of praise together where they're learning to, to worship Jesus in song together as, as little ones. It's wonderful. We saw a little, a little um, Foxy did a cheeky little 10-second uh, video clip last week, and it's like, oh, he sent it to us. It's so great to see that. And then they're off to their classes learning about Jesus. Worthwhile investment. Number two, we see, pr- we see prayer and prophecy. Did you notice as you were reading that, it's just, it's just, it's just packed full of prayer and prophecy. And, and, and it's not just hidden away in a corner. Where did they pray? Did you notice? On the beach. Did you hear that? We just gather on the beach and pray. I, I, it's so exciting when you're with people from church and we'll have a chat in a coffee shop and then we'll have a pray. And there's no sense of timidity. There's no sense of fear. It's like, of course, it's what we do. 
Or we're on the street and we bump into someone and something comes up. Say, let's have a quick pray. And we just join into Jesus. That's New Testament. That's a good, good sign when people are happy to just talk to Jesus in public together. They're on their knees. They're dropped to their knees on the beach. What, what, did, the, what did the local fishermen think? What, you know, what, what did they make of it? This would have, I don't know how this would have. I don't know my history well enough to know how this would have looked. But they, 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 yeah, they dropped to their knees and they, and they prayed together. And there's weeping and kissing and embracing. Whatever it was, people going by would have said, wow, what is that? There's something beautiful there. There's something devoted there. There's something powerful there. And then the, the prophecy comes through. And to be honest with you, it's somewhat perplexing, the prophecy. Because at some point, you've got people urging Paul through the Spirit... Not to go to Jerusalem, Paul's saying, I'm going. Now, how does that work? Well, probably what's happening was they were just picking up through the Holy Spirit. It wasn't going to go well. But Jesus had spoken to Paul clearly. He knew he had to go here. And so you've got this dynamic coming through. And then, and then they stay at Philip's house. And he's got these four, these four daughters who, 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 who seem to prophesy a lot. And then Agabus turns up. Agabus appears a couple of times in the New Testament. And he's quite a character, Agabus. Sometimes, sometimes you get people in church who are, who, who, who are characters. That's okay. Who said that? Who said that? <laughs> it's okay. Agabus says to Paul, Paul, can I, can I use your belt for a minute? Oh, here we go. Agabus is at it again. So he goes, and he tie, I mean, it's vivid. He ties up his hands and he ties up. He could have just said, couldn't he? It's not going to go well in Jerusalem. Because I know people keep telling me. No, no, give me a belt. We're so dull sometimes, aren't we? <laughs> We're so unnecessarily dull sometimes. And, and Agabus, he ties himself up and he's there, he's tied his hands and his feet up. All right, go on in. <laughs> go on, Agabus. Right. And he prophesies. You're not going to forget it, are you? You're not going to forget it in a hurry. And throughout the Bible, prophetically, sometimes there are things people do, some of them really extreme. I mean, one of the prophets had to sort of lie on his side naked for a like a year and a half or something. One had to cook some food over some poo. I mean, it's, and then a message came as a result. You don't forget those sorts of words. Now, all right, careful, but there's something. God, have mercy on us. Let us not just become predictable. You know, just kind of like, if... I don't know, and you've got to watch it. The bigger you get, and the, you know, you, oh, this is nice, you know. <laughs> what would someone, what a guest think if someone came up the front with a belt, started tying themselves up? It's not going to look. What, what are we going to do? How's that going to help with people getting saved? Well, we'll just explain it afterwards. Long, I think the Bible says, make sure you explain what's going on. That's why we explained when the prophecy came earlier. Clive wasn't saying, come to me, I've got, I can run. Clive wasn't saying that he could run across the world in his strength. Okay? He was prophesying. The Spirit of God came on him. And he was, and he was like, this, this is what the Lord is saying to us. We want that. We want prophecy. But we should explain it. Because there'll be people among us who are unfamiliar, who haven't come across that sort of thing before. But let the life of God flow among us. That's a worthwhile investment. That's the, kind of, that's the kind of stuff we want to do. That's the kind of stuff we want to be involved in. Let's keep praying. Let's keep prophesying. Let's, let's not dry up. Let's not dry up. Amen?
You know, the Bible says you've been given. If, if you, you've got this, if you if you know the Lord and you've been baptized in the Spirit, you've got a spring inside of you. Jesus said, "The water I give you, i.e., the Spirit, will become in you a spring, welling up to eternal life." You've got a spring in you. You don't need to dry up. Build yourself up in your most holy faith. Pray in the Spirit. Sing in the Spirit. Get that river flowing. Amen. Amen. I lost my stupid pin. So I'm balancing it in the pocket. Third thing. Mobility and stability. What you notice is this. This is wonderful. Paul, Luke and others, they're travelling by boat from place to place. And what do they do when they get to a certain place? They, who do they look up? Yeah, they, go, they, look, up, they look up the disciples. Where, where are the believers here? Now you say, well, what's, happening? what's happened is this. Because of their missionary trips in the past, they've gone to places, they've preached Jesus, they've made disciples, they've established Christian communities called churches, and they've moved on. And so then when they go back, there are communities still there. And so what you have in the New Testament is mobility, but you have stability. You have communities growing up in towns, cities and villages. People that are committed to where they live and where they are and being disciples and shining their light there. And you have ministries that are gifted to travel around and to bless and build up those Christian communities. You see the mobility but also the stability. You need both if you're going to be New Testament. And so there has to be, we have to be and continue to be a mobile people. Praise God for, for the arrows that we've sent out. Praise God for those who have gone to plant. To be honest with you, in nation after nation around the world, thank God for those who we are continually uh, going to, mobilizing people to go to, to strengthen them. Over in Frankfurt, in Germany, in Poland, in Gdansk. Many of you over the years, you've been and you've been an encouragement. You've prayed, you've strengthened these guys that we planted out. Hazel and Dear, dear Lena in the Middle East, strengthening them. And now we've got guys going out to the Far East and things starting to bubble up there. The plan is to see stable, solid Christian communities established there. Where the roots go down deep and the fruit comes out. And those communities are reached with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But those stable communities understand the, the importance and the power of mobile ministries coming in. And they give and they offer into that so that there can be continued strengthening to the nations, to the nations, to the nations. Jesus said that until the gospel of the kingdom has been preached to every people group, the end will not come. Then the end will come. There's currently about 5,000 people groups on the planet that have never heard about Jesus. 5,000. You might think, well, that sounds like a lot. I tell you, if one church in every hundred, or if one church in every thousand committed to one of those people groups and spent five years training people up to go, sent them there and said they had 30 years of fruitful ministry there where people heard the gospel, job would be, job would be done in 30 years. Easily. It's not that hard. But we've got to own this in our hearts. We've got to own and know the importance of pillars those of you who some of you are like I know I know there's some of you here going I want to grow old here hallelujah hallelujah and there's others who are thinking I like it here but I can't wait to go 
feel God, feel God's moving us to stirring us to different places. Hallelujah. That's New Testament. That's what we're invested in. We're invested in discipling big people here. We're investing people go. We've got our wonderful community over in Tottenham. Tottenham! We are planting, we are, we are planting into, into, into North London postcode by postcode. And we are, we are doing it now. We have started. It is happening. It is exciting. There's a wonderful community being established there. Super exciting. And I believe God's going to give us a wonderful, strong model of a great gospel plant there that becomes a church plant, that becomes a church that will be a brilliant model to hold up to others who want to go to different postcodes around here and plant. We're going to invest in it today. Half of this money today is going into the Tottenham plant. We're going to see God do a beautiful thing there. We really absolutely believe that. And then there's this church housing fund that we've got. This, to be honest, we didn't ask for it. We were given some money when we first planted here. And it's a decent amount of money. And I said, it's for housing for one of the pastors here. And it's, it's legally, it's, it's, it, what's the ring fence? It's ring fence. You can't use it for anything else. Which is like, great. And it's an amazing gift. 75,000 pounds. It's amazing. But we can't buy a shed. It's like really great, but like, oh, okay, what do we do with it? And it's, you know, and to be honest, we've had countless prayers, conversations, trying to plan stuff, and it looks like gradually, very, very slowly, things could be taking shape, but we've said we're going to invest in it, we're going to invest in it, we're going to invest in it. I think we're up to about 145,000 now. Praise God. We're investing, it's, we're, we're, being, we're being wise and shrewd with it, and it's part of God's strength and the stability here. The roots go down, the fruit comes up. Stability and mobility. You get the picture. This is what we're about. We're about friends and family. We're about prayer and prophecy. We're about mobility and stability. And it's so important that those of us who are more on the mobile end of things honor those who are working on the stability. And those who are more working on the stability really honor those who are doing the more of the mobility. That it's not in conflict, it's not in tension, we are doing the same thing together. It's so important, it's the same project, it's New Testament, it's how things go forward and grow well. And so I just want to, I want to, I, I guess, wrap kind of things up today before we take up our offering. And talk for a moment about, just about the nations and how important it is. We are in a, uh, we're in a privileged position being based here. If the nations are here. <laughs> And accessibility to the nations from here is easy. And there's a grace on us to reach the nations. There has been from day one. You know, when I, when I tell the story of how we absorbed the Rileys, who were the family who felt called to Poland, into the church when we were about a year old, and then I think about five months later sent them to Poland to plant, Frankly, the story is a bit embarrassing because all the questions people ask about how you did it, you say, well, we were clueless. Well, we didn't know what we were doing. Well, we learned so many lessons there. And, and there's so much that we have learned from there. But you think, well, how, how comes we were able to do it? There's a grace and a calling on us from God to do it. That's how. Okay? It's not, it's not that we were brilliant at it. We're a lot better at it now. But there's a grace from God to do that kind of thing. And I, I want us to stay big in our heart, I think it's ever so important that we realize that. You see, the story of Acts is that you had something really that was in, it was in Israel. In fact, it was, it was in Jerusalem, really. That was where the concentration of disciples were. They weren't all from Jerusalem, but they were concentrated there. And Jesus said to them, listen, Jerusalem, Judea, 
Samaria, ends of the earth. But wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes upon them. And I don't know, because it doesn't say explicitly, but what I do know is is that they didn't scatter beyond Jerusalem. We don't have any record of that until persecution broke out. And I wonder if they'd got a bit stuck. We have a tendency, don't we, to get stuck. Anyone know what I mean? You know, God goes, boom, and you go, wow. And then, you know, over the weeks and months and years, it gets smaller and smaller again. And maybe they thought, hey, it's going really well here. Thousands of people have been converted. There's miracles happening. People being healed. This is great. And you know, we're in a great spot. You think, I'm not sure. I want to go out there. This is so great here. But persecution came and they were scattered. And do you know what? That was the beginning of Christianity moving out to the ends of the earth. That's what happened. That's the story of the book of Acts. It starts in Jerusalem. It ends in Rome. And, 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 and everywhere in between has wonderful communities of New Testament spirit-filled believers. Because that is how it should be. Because God himself is creating a new nation. The Bible says the church is the holy nation. We are a holy nation. We are a nation scattered among the nations to reach and serve the nations. And as Richard was saying earlier, our hope for eternal peace is not in politics. It's not in anything temporary. Our hope for eternal peace in the nations is when Jesus Christ returns and sets up his government in the new heavens and the new earth. That that is when only then will true and lasting peace come. Because God's plan is to gather everything together under the headship of Jesus Christ. That's the plan. And so it's important that we engage politically and that we're involved and that we pray and all of that. Yes, 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 yes. But our hope must never be in that. We must never get duped into, the, duped into thinking, well, if, if that party just wins, everything will be sorted out. Brothers and sisters, it won't. It's, that is naive. Because there's a brokenness at the heart of it that can only be put right as the cornerstone Jesus is placed at the beginning, then you can build straight. Without him in the corner, without putting the cornerstone in, everything you build will be crooked. And it's so important that, that we understand that. And this is why we're going to call you to invest radically and generously over this Sunday and next Sunday. Because what we, what we believe that we are doing in terms of preaching Jesus, making disciples, planting churches serving communities is that what we are doing is, is that we, we are in partnership with him as he advances his kingdom. We are in partnership, co-laboring with Jesus Christ himself by his spirit to see lives changed, to see people redeemed and renewed and to see the kingdom of God advance. That is what we are about. That's what we will always be about. That's what grips our heart. That is what we know is truly, truly the answer. Amen? Amen. Amen. So why don't we stand together, and I'm going to explain how, we, how we're going to give. If the band could come up. What we're going to do is, is that on your seat, you will see this leaflet that says, How Can I Give? It's got special offering, um, uh, and how can I give on the back? And there are numbers of ways you can give. There's these one, brilliant envelopes with freely given written on them, which you can use for cash and checks. If you could write your details there, if you're a taxpayer, then obviously that means because we can, through um, gift aid, we can claim back um, the tax on that. It would be brilliant. Um, if you want to transfer some money by, by, your, by your phone, 
or by, uh, by, yeah, by your own kind of, um, um, by your own um, handheld device or whatever you've got with you, then it's a, the bank transfer details are there. If you want to go online, you can go onto the website and there's the, there's the, there's the address there. Um, what we've done in terms of, uh, for the envelopes, is we set up pots over there on that table and pots at the back on that table. Um, and e even if you're given electronically, you know, maybe you just want to head over there or something and just pray and just sort of commit what you're giving to the Lord. It's, uh, it's ever so important that we don't just do this physically, but spiritually, you know, we go, God, I really want to invest in eternity. We want to invest in seeing churches established and planted that are that where the relationships are real genuine spiritual family where the life of the spirit is at work in prophecy and prayer and all kinds of other things um, where there's mobility and yet stability we want to we want to walk into new testament prayer so i'm going to lead us in the, in prayer in terms of giving please join with me in your heart Father, thank you so much for your kindness to us. Freely we have received. Forgiveness, grace, mercy, <coughs> freely we have received. We're a grateful people, Lord. Though we do not see you, we believe in you. And rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. We know you are here. We love what you have done. We thank you, Jesus. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Jesus, for your immense victory we bless you jesus that you reign that you are king we bless you jesus we have a message to proclaim the good news we have to proclaim that in you there is freedom from the debt of sin in you there is forgiveness of sins and new life as a gift thank you for that wonderful message that amazing good news that 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 we we declare it lord god we want to declare it in power. And we pray, Lord, as we, as we give into, Lord, your purposes and your kingdom today, we pray for blessing, multiplication. We pray, Lord God, that you would strengthen, strengthen those who stay and propel those who go. Uh, we pray, Lord God, for a great partnership together. We pray for a great future together. We pray, keep our hearts soft to one another and knitted together. Keep us in a good place where we really love each other, I pray. Lord, as we grow, Lord, we say that, we, we bring that question before you. How do you keep this when you grow? We say, Lord, we don't know, but you're our head. And we pray you would keep us strong and you would keep us together, please. We pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you've never given your life to Jesus, if you've never known the joy of new life in him, and I know some of you have been coming probably for some time now, but you've never crossed that line into following Jesus. Let me just, let me just declare, proclaim to you that it, it has been done. The door is open for you to walk into forgiveness and new life because of the work of Jesus Christ. The work has been done. It is, it is God's free gift to you in Jesus Christ. What is required of you? Nothing. What is required of you? Everything. He's done it. He's paid the price. The debt has been paid. You can walk in and receive forgiveness freely. So what do I mean by everything? I mean this. It requires a U-turn where you say, do you know what? I want to follow after you, Jesus, and I will give you my heart, my mind, my soul, my strength. I will bow the knee before you and let you have your way. If you want to do that, the Bible says, if you call on his name to save you, he will do that. If you cry out, Jesus, save me, he'll do it. You don't need anyone to pray with you. Call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved.
You'll know that the new life of God coming to you. You'll know that sweet sense of his presence that you've never known before. Please do it as we sing these songs now. Please do it as we take up this offering. Please do it. Please don't put it off. And then when you've done it, come and chat to one of us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to encourage you. We'd love to give you a little Bible and just, just come alongside and help you learn how to follow Jesus. But we'd love to do that because that offer is open for you today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's sing. and. Let's